Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. Well, thank you for joining me. We've been dealing with the book of Peter. And in our previous session, I tried to wrap up 1 Peter chapter 4. And this session, I'm glad we're going to go into 1 Peter chapter 5. And if you don't mind, I would like to read it. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 1 says that, The elders which are amongst you, I exhort, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is amongst you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy, filthy liquor, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being example or examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fades not. Here ends the reading of God's word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, a very beautiful text. In First Peter chapter 4, I've been oh, constantly dealing with the verse, um, verse 12 from all the way from verse 12 to verse 19 and verse 12 uh, how it talks about um, uh, we shouldn't be surprised by suffering but you know we should take on take it up because we are Christians then verse 19 talks about how when uh, if you are if anyone suffers according to the will of God he should commit his soul to God how do you do that and um, some Good uh, in doing good. Other translations, or uh, the original Greek, uh, can be rendered as in doing what is noble, in noble deeds, in commendable deeds, in charis deeds, in notable deeds, in admirable deeds. So, something that commands honor. We should there's that there's a way that a godly person should carry himself or should carry herself for that matter. So if you are a godly person, it's not just what you are in the spirit, but it's, it also shows in your noble way of carrying yourself and handling the affairs of life and handling the challenges and, and the joys of life. When there's a then it's time for celebration, it's time for partying and happiness, you, we have to see how noble you carry yourself. Your Christian virtue on the inside must show it must show in even the way you celebrate. At the same time, the Christian virtue, the kind of Christian you are on the inside must also best forth in your behavior and attitude in times of suffering, in times of anger, in times of confusion, in times of difficulty. So in, in both, uh, uh, the, uh, both ends of the spectrum of life, of feelings, uh, who we really are in the Lord is supposed to be displayed by or via by or via a noble uh, behavior. And here he says that when we go through difficult times and suffering, we should we should commit ourselves to God, commit your life to God, commit yourself to your soul to God by the way you behave, okay, say, so in well-doing, through well-doing, by noble behavior, we are committing, keeping, uh, 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 the ampli, uh, the King James says that, commit the keeping of, of their souls to him in well-doing, in doing good, in noble behavior, as a, as a faithful creator, right, so we do it through a certain type of behavior. Then he says that on the basis of that, this is very important, I had to say that so we can move on. On the basis of that, because we are supposed as general Christians, as general Christians, because we are supposed to, to commit our lives to God, commit our souls particularly, our souls to God in well-doing, 
Therefore, church leaders, Christian leaders, have even greater responsibility in behaving same. Now, watch this. So he said, um, when I read it, he uh, said, the elders. Now, when you read some other translation, it says that, therefore, to the elders. Okay. Now, he says that, uh, the, the, therefore, you see the NIVA, sorry, the New American Standard. He said, therefore, I, on the grounds of what I've discussed, on the grounds of what I've been teaching, on the grounds of what I've been explaining, so long as our attitude towards suffering is concerned. Therefore, I exhort the elders amongst you. Now, he says that this is, listen to this, look at this. It's like Peter is now trying to say, no, this, this message is not for everybody, it's for church leaders. Peter is trying to say that this message is for church leaders. So, church leaders, this is for you. That's what he's trying to say. Now, I want to focus and zero in on church leaders. So he says, now, to therefore, to the elders, and the King James says that, the elders which are amongst you, I exhort. The elders which are amongst you, I exhort. When you read the Amplified, let's see how the Amplified puts it. I warn and counsel the elders amongst you. That's the pastors. This is the elders here. Pastors and spiritual guides of a church. So he's talking to pastors. So anytime you come across the word elder, when you are reading the New Testament, and you come across the word elders, he's talking about the, those who are matured in the Lord or maturing in the Lord and have been given the responsibility of guiding or leading the congregation. Elders. And so usually, it's always usually used in the plural uh, form. Elders. So it says that at the elders amongst you, I exhort, I am encouraging, I'm warning the elders I exhort who are also a fellow elder. So I'm also an elder. This is very interesting. Now, Peter is an apostle. According to Acts chapter 1 verse 13, he actually is always the first, he's the first among the apostles. So Acts 1.13 talks about, and when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter, it always mentions Peter, you see. It always mentions Peter, then James, John, and the rest. Peter, in um, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, Jesus called them to himself. And, and when he had called his 12 disciples, now these are the 12 apostles. When he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. Now watch this, verse 2. Watch this. Starts naming them. Now the names of the 12 words, apostles are these. First, Simon. First, Simon. So Simon was an apostle. Is an apostle not the same as an elder? No, not necessarily. So Simon was an apostle. Now, in that, in that time, in the sense of these this apostles, the 12, when you call the 12, usually when you, you see the, the phrase, the 12, uh, in the uh, Gospels, it's talking about the 12 apostles, or sometimes, as we saw in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, the 12 disciples. Okay, so the 12 disciples are sometimes called the 12, uh, the 12. He called the 12 to himself. He appointed the 12. So the, the Bible normally uses the 12. The 12 is a, they are special team of people Jesus called to himself. He had other disciples. Okay, so in John chapter um, 6, um, all right, like, let's from verse 61 might make, make sense. John, when Jesus, uh, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples, you listen to this very clearly, his disciples complained about this. He said to them, does this offend you? Verse 62. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he came? Verse 63. From, uh, the spirit that gives life. Okay, verse 64, please. But there are some amongst you who do not believe. 
for Jesus knew himself, uh, Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who betrayed him. Let's go for verse 66. Let's move on. There's something on. For that, that's it. From that, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked, walked with him no more. Did you see that? Many of his, he had a lot of disciples. And now look at the next verse. Verse 57. Then Jesus said to what? The 12. He said to the, who are these 12? The, he has disciples, many disciples, but these 12 were, these 12 were special. And so now there's, there's been a little bit of confusion in the body of Christ uh, in our modern days that uh, are there still apostles? Some people believe there still are no apostles. There still are no prophets like Moses or Elijah. So how can you say you're a prophet? Are you trying to put yourself in the class of Moses or Elijah? Not necessarily so. When Are there apostles? Oh, no. You can't have apostles because all the 12 apostles have died and gone. And there are no other apostles. No. The New Testament talks about other apostles. But there are three but three or I think three or four categories of apostles. The first category is the twelve, and the twelve they, they were appointed and called to work with Jesus. One was a devil. Jesus said, "Did I not choose you twelve? But one is a devil. One of the apostles was a devil. He was a deacon. He was an apostle, and uh, he was a bishop. Three th combination of three offices." <laughs> Jesus, Jesus said, said, "Did I not choose you, the twelve? And one of you is a devil. Jesus said, have I not chosen you twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> one, one of you is a devil. All right. So he was the, the special chosen call. And as I said, let me digress again. Judas was the only one who, one of the few, I think only one in the Bible, who had, was an apostle. He was a bishop. And he was a deacon. According to Acts chapter 1, I think verse 21 and 22, he said his bishopric let another one take. He was an apostle. He was a bishop. Okay. He was an apostle, bishop, and at the same time, he's uh, a, a, a deacon. All right. So when you read that text very carefully from verse 17 somewhere, you see that uh, he, he, was, he was all these three. So now when we talk about apostles, the first category is those 12, and that one, no one, no one alive ever walked with Jesus. So even Paul, if, though theologians believe he was a replacement, because when, Jesus, when uh, Judas lost his bishopric, Acts chapter 1, verse 20, 21, they had said, let us appoint someone, his bishopric, let another person take. So he was a bishop. So his bishop was revealed, and let... Let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. So then, on that grounds, they appointed to uh, the next verse, Basabas and Matthias. Okay, so um, Basabas and Matthias, okay, to, and they cast lots, and they chose one of them to replace, okay, to replace um, Judas, okay, so that they can have the 12 to add to the 11. And, see, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So as it were, they still had 12 apostles. Even though Judas was gone, the, the apostles might be 12, just like the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 hours in the day and 12 hours in the night, 12 months in a year, you know, and that 12, 12, 24 times, 12 times to 24 elders uh, uh, before the throne and all that, that the, the, this biblical numerology. But the point here is that there were only 12. Jesus appointed 12 special apostles. Now, th that doesn't mean the other disciples were not important. They were important, but he had 12. Now, when we talk about apostles, back to the point, when we talk about apostles, Peter was one of these special and actually the first amongst the equals. One of these special apostles. There were other apostles in the New Testament, all right, who, um, uh, an apostle is, uh, the Greek word is apostolos, a sent out one, someone who has been sent, who has been sent with a special uh, authority to carry out special functions on the behalf of the sender or the behalf of the commissioner. So someone who has been given certain powers to speak. Now, these 12 apostles and Paul and some of the early apostles had unique authority. So the 12 apostles, their authority was such that when they spoke, uh, uh, um, um, 
When they spoke, it's like Jesus has spoken. Jesus gave them his backing so much that whatever they endorsed, that's why the Bible says that they, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. They continued in the apostles' doctrine, apostles, you know, so because it's apostles. The, the apostles were the foundation of the church. The Bible talks about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, on the, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The prophets there, I believe, is talking about the prophets of the Old Testament. And the apostles there is apostles of Jesus Christ. So whatever the prophets of the Old Testament have said, and the apostles of, the, of Jesus Christ said, that formed the basis of every Christian belief and everything that is acceptable in Christianity. Anything outside of what apostles have said or the prophets have said cannot be Christian. So the church is built on the foundation of the, uh, of the apostles and the prophets. That's why Jesus said, I came to fulfill the prophets. He said, haven't you read? It's written by the prophets. And the apostles were always quoting the prophets. They were always quoting the prophets. Because the, what the prophets had said was what Jesus came to fulfill. And the, the apostles were living it. So now, when we talk about apostles, apostles became uh, uh, very important people in the economy of God, in the plan of God. So Jesus Christ gave them special authorities. Paul was such an apostle. He said he was, uh, it's like he was born out of due season. And he said, are they apostles? I am also an apostle. So he was, First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, uh, somewhere from verse 8, 9, and 10. He said, are they apostles? I'm also an apostle. You see, so he says that, uh, last of all, uh, he appeared to me as one out, born out of, out of season. Now, he was defending his apostleship, actually 2 Corinthians chapter 12, rather, and chapter 11 and chapter 12. He was defending his apostleship, that he was an apostle. He has seen Jesus Christ. Okay, so he saw Jesus, like, at the wrong time. <laughs> That's what he said. That we just read it. Last of all, he was seen by me as one born out of due season. Like, the timing I was born was wrong. Uh, it's just like, how come? Is us, us by one born out of. When the real apostles were with him, where was I? But he was still an apostle. So he said in first, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle. First Corinthians, he always introduced himself as an apostle of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle. Uh, so he was actually an apostle. So it wasn't only the 12 who were apostles, the apostles. Now, watch, why did I go so much into this? Because Peter introduces himself. This is very important. When you read first uh, Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, it says that Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. All right. So he was writing to them in his capacity as an apostle. An apostle is a very serious person who was like delegated or had delegated authority from Jesus directly to carry out certain functions on the behalf of Jesus and to set the church in a, in a certain order. And he said, Paul, an, uh, uh, sorry, Peter, an apostle. But when he gets to chapter 5, he says that, now I'm, I want to talk to the elders. And that, something interesting happens here. He said, I'm also an elder. So he says, now I want to come down and speak to you. I want you to identify with me, church leaders. I don't want to, to come as though, oh, I'm the apostle. I'm so high there. No, he said, I'm not just an apostle. I'm also an elder. Hallelujah. So he says that, uh, to the elders amongst you, I exhort... Uh, the, uh, the elders who are amongst you, I exhort, I who am also a fellow elder. So he said, I'm a fellow elder. So when you study the, very, the, the scriptures very carefully, you will see that eldership has always been part of the church. In Acts chapter um, 11, verse 30, you see the appearance of elders there where they collected uh, they collected donations in the verse 29 and they sent it to the elders by the hands of Paul uh, and Barnabas. So they sent it to the, uh, to the elders because they are trying to help the church in Jerusalem or in Judea, which has, they were suffering some famine. Some famine has hit and other churches made donations and they sent it to them. But they sent it through the hands of uh, Barnabas and Saul. And they sent it to the elders because if you want to bless a church, if you want to do something to a church, if you want to help a church, it must go through the elders. Every church is supposed to have elders. So Acts chapter 11, verse 30, to the elders. Acts chapter, chapter, chapter 14, verse 23, it says that they appointed elders in every church. Appointed elders in every church. Every, that means every church must have an elder. Okay, they appointed elders in every church. Acts chapter 15, verse 2, it mentions that to the apostles, now it separates apostles and elders. Do you see that? Certain of them, them should go up to the Jerusalem to the apostles and elders. 
So apostles, so Peter was an apostle, and yet he was also an elder. Some of the apostles were elders. In like 2 John chapter 1, verse 1, he said, the elder, John introduces himself as the elder. 3 John chapter 1, he introduces himself as the elder. John sees himself as the elder. James also is called the elder in the, in the, in the scriptures. So these guys were elders in that's, uh, Acts chapter uh, 21, verse um, 17 and verse 18 talks about verse 18 particularly talks about how uh, James uh, also uh, to James and the, all the elders that were present. So you see there were elders there throughout. So Acts chapter 11 verse 30 elders, Acts chapter 14 verse 23 elders, Acts chapter 15 verse 2 elders, Acts chapter 15 verse, verse, verse 4 Apostles and elders, Acts chapter 15, verse 6, apostles and elders. So apostles and elders, apostles and elders. And then in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, he sent for the elders of the church. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching. Hallelujah. From Melitus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the, if I want to bless the church, let me have a meeting with the elders. So wherever the elders go, the sheep will go. Wherever, when, uh, uh, whenever elders grow, sheep will grow. Whenever elders go, sheep will go. Elders are so essential and important in the economy and the program of God for the church. And so you see uh, throughout, in fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, it says, uh, let the elders that labor amongst you be counted worthy of, let the elders be counted worthy of double honor. That rule well, be counted uh, worthy of double honor. Elders, verse 19, it says that don't take an accusation. That's a serious one. Do not receive an accusation against an elder. Don't be interested in what people are saying on social media against an elder <laughs> of a church. This is the Bible. Don't receive an accusation. Don't receive Psalm 131 verse 1. He said, I do not want to exercise myself in matters that are too high for me. Yeah. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters and in things that are too high for me. Some, sometimes you get involved. I'm the one I'm going to. I'm going to prove to this, this pastor is like this. This other is like that. All these churches. This, this. The, the devil is a liar. God will deal with you. Oh, so now we should just keep quiet and they go. He says that, who are you to judge another man's servant? Romans chapter 14, I think so, yeah. Uh, who are you to judge another man's servant? Who are you to condemn another servant? To his own master he stands or fall. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him to stand. <laughs> a lot of Christians don't read the Bible. I'm a lot of Christians, nowadays, they don't, they, all they want is feelings, prosperity, songs. <laughs> feelings, <laughs> empty, empty spirits. Many Christians are void of revelation. Void. So it's very easy for Christians to team up with unbelievers and lambast other believers. And one of the things I don't understand is when, when I have a problem, an issue with an elder, a leader of a congregation, if I'm a Christian, I don't have to go onto a platform where there are more unbelievers to go and discuss that. It's a sign of lack of spiritual maturity. And then some also unspiritual ones will be going around like, yeah, 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 comment, say it, say it, brother, say it, sister, say it, brother, you are so unspiritual. You, you, are, you, have, you know, you know you have backslider, you know it, you stop praying. I'm telling you, you know it. You know your spiritual life is so low. That's why you have so much time to comment on negative information about preachers and churches on social media. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Well, let's, let's get to, how did I even get there? Elders. Okay. So he said, let the elders be counted worthy of double honor. In Titus chapter 1, verse 5, he said, appoint elders in churches. He said, he said, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you must set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in how many churches? Every church or every city. As I've commanded. So every city there is talking about the churches in the cities. Appoint elders. So elders were such important, so central to the running or to the ruling, to the governing, well, that word is important, to the governing of the church. Elders. 
So he says that is anybody, anyone sick amongst you, James chapter 5, verse 14, let him call for the elders. The Greek word translated elders is presbyteros. 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 We get the word Presbyterian from. That's why Presbyterians actually are ruled by elders. They, they don't joke with. So Presbyteros, the Greek word. Presbyteros. I want to draw your attention to the differences between a pastor, a bishop, an elder, and actually spoken about apostle. Apo who is an apostle? The difference. A pastor. Elder. Is there any difference? Pastor, a bishop. Pastor, what's the difference? Pastor, bishop, elder. I'm glad you want to know. I want to tackle it. So going back to the text, the elders which are amongst you, I, I, among you, I, I exhort, who, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. <laughs> this is interesting. He said he's not just an elder, but he's also a witness. Oh, apostle is writing and he introduces himself like this. I'm not just an elder. Uh, I'm not just an apostle. At the moment, I want to deal with you. I want to communicate with you. I, I want to interact with you. I want to relate with you from the position of an elder because I'm dealing with elders. So elders, can we talk, please? I'm just one of you. I just want you to know I'm, I'm just one of you. I'm just one of you. I'm just one of you. So let's, let's talk as elders. Then he says that uh, I'm also an elder and I'm not just an elder. Hallelujah. And a witness. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says that and ye shall be, receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, in, in, in all Judea, in Samaria, unto all the uttermost parts of the, of the earth. You shall be witnesses. So Peter said, I am a, not just an elder. I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Oh, that, what does that mean? Now, the word witness, listen to me, please. The word witness, the word translated witness, is actually the same word translated martyr. I think in Acts chapter, um, I believe Acts 22, Paul was talking to God when he had a vision, and he said, I said when you're, your, your martyr, your, your witness, Stephen was killed. I was a witness. I, I was there. He was recounting the, 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 the martyrdom of Stephen. And he said, I was there. He has seen a lot of people killed and murdered. But I think Stephen's own affected him because Stephen said, God, forgive him. Forgive these ones. You know, verse 20 instead said, and when the blood of your martyr, you see that word martyr is witness. Stephen was shared. I was standing there consenting to his death. So my, that word martyr and other translations, you might see, you see, when, when the blood of your witness, Stephen, that's New America Standard Version, is the same Greek word. So when Paul is talking, when Peter is saying that I am a witness of the suffering of Christ, witness in two ways. I need you to understand this, please. Number one, obviously, he said you shall be witnesses of me. But in what way? Number one, when he said witness, number one, they actually were witnesses of the, the death of Christ and the resurrection. They were there. Eyewitnesses. So witness here, one, it means eyewitness. Okay. Acts chapter 5, verse 32. He says that we are witness of this of his resurrection. We are witnesses of his resurrection. What does that mean? We were we are seeing it physically. We and we are. We are his witnesses to these things, talking about the resurrection and the Holy Ghost whom God has given us as well. So they're talking about how we have physically, we are eyewitnesses. We were there. We have, we have seen these things. We can't deny what we have seen and experienced. So he's, he, when he says witness here, one, he's talking about an eyewitness, like Acts chapter 10, verse 39. He says that when Jesus was resurrected, he was shown or appeared to witnesses and we are witnesses of these things which he did both in the land of uh, of the jews and in jerusalem whom you slew and hung on the tree so this is a, we are witnesses and when you read uh, this i think the verse 41 for uh, they slew verse 40 they slew and hung on the tree and but god raised him and showed him openly verse 41 openly uh, to all the people, but on, not to all the, but unto witnesses. Okay, so when God was showing Jesus Christ, He showed Him to witnesses, eyewitnesses. And verse thirty-nine, Peter, uh, Peter.
Peter, when he was preaching in the house of Cornelius, he said, we are witnesses of these things. We, we saw, we saw it. We, we saw everything that has happened. We saw it. So when you go to court as a witness, you are going to talk about what you have seen, what you have, you had, you seen, you experienced. You are going to tell exactly what you saw. And so uh, the, the, the apostles were witnesses of the events of Jesus Christ when he was alive. Now, so when he said, I am a, a witness, he wasn't only talking in the capacity of the fact that they are telling a story, but he's talking as, as an eyewitness, but not just that, but also as a martyr. So in other words, we said fellow witness, fellow witness here means that a fellow martyr who is willing to say what they have seen, to recount what they had experienced, to relay it without fear and favor, and even if it means the losing of his life, they were there to lose their lives. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, he said that we have been through so much in Asia, and we came beyond, uh, 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 that we were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despaired of life. Okay? The despaired of life. Verse 9, yet, uh, yes, we had the sentence of death in our bodies that we should not trust in ourselves by God who raised In other words, he's saying that we, we, are, we are actually martyrs. We are at the place of dying for Jesus. Paul said, why do you cry to, why do you weep to break my heart? I'm not only ready to, to uh, testify, but I'm also ready to die for the name of Christ in the book of Acts. He said, why are you crying to break my heart? Why do you cry? Why do you cry? Paul said, what, what do you do? What do you mean by begging? For I'm, I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die. This is a witness, a, a martyr. So they, they, they had the mindset of a martyr, a mindset of someone who is, who is standing true to what they have seen and what they are supposed to say. He is going to be faithful to it and not just faithful to it, also willing to die. Go to the extent of dying. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 10 and 11, it talks about death is working in us so that life can be produced in some people. Always carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ that the life of Jesus also might be manifested in our, uh, 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 in our bodies. Look at verse 11. It says that, for we who live are always delivered to death for Christ's sake, that the life of Jesus also might be manifested in our mortal uh, so they, they, they live the life of death. First Corinthians 15, 15 uh, 31, Paul puts it this way, I die daily. <laughs> he said, I die daily. I, a, a, martyr, a, a mindset of a martyr, being so faithful. In Revelation chapter 2, I think verse 11, it says that be faithful unto death. Be faithful. So when he said a fellow with them, be faithful until death. And I'll give you the crown of life. So when he talks about a faithful witness, a f being a witness, a witness of the suffering, he's not just talking about eyewitness, but a martyr, a person with the mindset to suffer anything for the sake of Christ. That is Christian life. And he said, elders, I've been telling you about suffering. Do well in suffering. All of you do well. But elders, listen, I am not telling you as someone who is sitting somewhere who doesn't know what's going on. I'm telling you these things because I'm a fellow elder and I'm also a witness, a martyr, ready to die. He, Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. He said, being made conformable to his death. I'm conforming to his death. When you talk about the death, I'm not different. I'm ready. I'm actually living, but I'm already dead in Christ because I'm conforming to his death. Being made, hallelujah, being made, hallelujah, being made conformable to his death. A martyr. So back to the text. I'm a fellow elder. Not only an elder, but a martyr or a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Now, when he says the witness of the sufferings of Christ, it's just like we, I know how Christ suffered. And I know what it means to suffer for Christ. Because I'm, watch this, and also, so not only a witness, but a partaker of the glory. So I... I saw the sufferings of Christ. You guys I'm talking to didn't see it. But guess what? You also partake of the glory just as I will partake of the glory that is ahead. Because in Luke chapter um, 24 verse 26, it talks about how the Christ myself must suffer these things 
and then enter into the glory. So his suffering is not separate from the glory. In Romans chapter 8, verse 17, he said, if we suffer with him, then we'll be glorified with him. If children, then heirs, then heirs, heirs of God and joint of Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be what? Glorified. So th there's a, con a correlation between the suffering for Christ and being glorified, sharing in his glory. It is a necessary and just an intrinsic part of Christianity. All right. So he says that we, we look forward to the coming glory. There's a glory coming. In in First Peter chapter 1, verse 11, he spoke about how these, these prophets desired to look into it. They spoke about, when they spoke about the soft, they testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that should follow. So now he's telling them that I'm a partaker of the glory that is coming. And you are also partakers of the glory that is that, that will be revealed. Hallelujah. Every sound and genuine Christian teacher and leader always points people to what is coming. The glories of God ahead. The glories of God. You have to, Bible says that, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Until you look at the glories ahead, you will be discouraged in walking in obedience. Praise the Lord. So we see here how... Um, Peter talks about he's not just, uh, uh, Peter is not just, he's one of the, uh, um, the elders. He said, I'm a fellow elder, I'm a witness, and I'm a partaker. Three distinct roles he said he played. He, brought, he brings to the table, I'm a, a witness, I'm an elder, and I'm a partaker. I'm a witness, I'm an elder. And so on the premise of that, that's why I'm exhorting you. I'm exhorting you. the elders who are amongst you. I exhort I who am who am also a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ and also a partaker of the glories that should be revealed. So this first of all, he had to tell them his credentials, not just an apostle, but his. As I said, these three things, these three credentials, to give him the platform for saying what he's about to say. Then what is the next thing he says? He said he was saying to the elders that what should they do? Uh oh, he used the word shepherd, shepherd. Poimen, that's the Greek word. Poimen, shepherd. Who, are, who is he talking to? Elders. He's telling the elders, what should they do? So, oh, okay, being an elder, is, it points to your spiritual maturity. A leader amongst God's people who is mature, who is ahead in God's people, should be able to teach them, explain things to them. He's ahead. And not just that, he has a responsibility of shepherding. The Greek word translated here is... is is used in the verb sense. So, shepherd. Okay. So, that other translator will tell you, feed. Feed. Feed the flock. Okay. That's King James said, feed the flock. Oh, what does it mean? What's the, so, the Greek word translated, shepherd is the same, can be translated as feed. Poimen. Now, God in the Bible has been, in the Old Testament, has been portrayed as a shepherd. Sheep are very interesting animals. Sheep. If you leave a sheep, on their own, they will die. They will stray into trouble. They will get in. They can't even take care of themselves. Sheep are always in need of shepherd. Not wolves, not dogs. Even sometimes goats will be okay. Other animals will be fine. But sheep always need to be cared for. Sheep. Maybe in the next session I'll, I'll say a little bit more about that. But I want to run up now. So, um, sheep. He said, shepherd. So, poimen, he said, tell it, oh, poimen, okay, okay, for your information. A shepherd, the Greek word translates shepherd is poimen, which is also the same. Shepherd is a pastor, okay. So, here, some translations might even use the word pastor, the flock of God. Oh, so it's interesting, he said the flock of God. No pastor has a church. No pastor, is the church, is the flock belongs to God now. <laughs> no pastor has a church. It's the church of God. You will never see anywhere where he says that the church of the apostles. It only says that the church of Christ and the church of God or the church of the saints, made up of the saints. But there's nowhere in the Bible where you see the church of the apostles, let alone the church of Pastor David. <laughs> no pastor has a church. So, okay, but why does some pastor, why does that's my church? He doesn't have a church. He's trying to, that's the church I'm privileged to be leading, to be pastoring, to be an elder in. Yeah, that's what they mean. That's what a pastor means when he says that uh, that's my church. He doesn't have a church. The church belongs to God. He, he said, the flock of God. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he says, shepherd, he says that, 
Um, therefore, take it to yourself. This is when he called, from, look at verse 17. Verse 17 said, he sent for the elders of the church of Ephesus, okay? So in Melitus, he was in Melitus, and he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And the elders of the church, he started telling them these things. Okay, so he started telling them, and this is what, after giving them the introduction, he said, on the basis of all I've said, therefore, elders, take heed to yourself, because the state of the elder will determine the state of the flock. The state of the pulpit is what determines the state of the pews. You can never have a cold pulpit with hot pews. It doesn't happen. You, and you can never have a, a, a cold pews with hot pulpit. Hot pulpit produces hot pews. Cold pulpit produces cold pews. The one who sets the atmosphere in the church is the one who always is in a pulpit. It's the pulpit. If there are, there's a lot of mess going on in a church, it is the responsibility of the leaders, the ones, the, especially the one who teaches the word of God. The lifeline of the church is from the pulpit, where the word of God is dished out and is issued. Hallelujah. So he says that um, uh, he called for them and he says to the, uh, he said, take it to yourself and to the flock amongst whom the Holy Spirit has made. You don't take it upon yourself. It's the Holy Spirit who makes you an overseer to, to do what? To shepherd the church. of The church does not belong to Pastor Bishop. The church, <laughs> the church does not belong to Pastor Apostle. It doesn't belong to him. It doesn't belong to him. Please. When you are serving the church, don't, don't think you are doing the pastor a favor. It doesn't belong to him. He will die one day and leave it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He will die and leave it. He will die at his funeral. You see that. Ah, so this man, oh, he's gone. So how, what are we going to do? It's the church of God. God will take care of his church. <laughs> okay. So he says that. So the church of God. He said, feed the flock of God. Okay. Feed or shepherd no, uh, here he said feed, to feed the church of God. Now, First Peter chapter five verse three, it says that shepherd or feed, feed shepherd the flock of God which is amongst you, among you, serving at oh another word has come here again. Oh oh, is uh, talking to pastors? Okay, so where he said past, pastor the flock of God, pastoring is function. Pastor. You have to function. You function as a, it's not just a title. It's a function. So it, it becomes a problem when someone is called a pastor who doesn't take care of anybody. <laughs> he doesn't take care of anybody. Like a mama who doesn't cut hair. <laughs> a hairdresser who doesn't, never even touch anybody's hair. But she's a hairdresser. <laughs> so a pastor is one who has been given the responsibility of caring for the sheep, feeding the sheep. So to care for the sheep includes feeding them, nurturing them, guiding them. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepared a table. The job of a, of a shepherd is in Psalm 23. You see part of it is there, Psalm 23. So the, that's, the shepherd is supposed to do that. Now, somebody might be an elder in a church, but that's not necessarily operating as a shepherd because he's not feeding. He's an elder, part of the elders that govern things, you know, governing elders. But then a pastor is supposed to, it's a function. So he says that now, pastor the flock of God, watch this, which is among you, serving as overseer, overseer, supervisor. The Greek word translated overseer is episcopos, episcopos. Epi, that's on top. Scopus, scope of things. Telescope, microscope. A microscope helps you to scope micro things, to see. Telescope helps you to scope things. Tele, afar, television, <laughs> tele over there. <laughs> so, episcopus uh, 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 helps scope epi. So, epidemics, epidemics, you know, the skin. So, to see, oversee. So Episcopus is an overseer at your work. You know you have an overseer, or we call it sometimes supervisor. He oversees the affairs of things. That is the word that is translated as bishop. So biblical definition of a bishop is an overseer. So who is supposed to be doing the work of an overseer? Is the elder. Who is 
pastoring. Who is supposed to be the bishop? So is there a difference between an elder, a pastor, and a bishop? No. Biblically speaking, biblic, now, there was a man, I think, called um, uh, Athanasius, I think Athanasius, in the second century. He introduced this whole that hierarchical order that bishops are higher than the archbishop, than cardinals and pope. They are higher than the... No, in the Bible, it is bishops, a bishop is just an overseer. Uh, so me, I am a pastor of Caris, and I'm the overseer of Caris, and I'm an elder in Caris. I'm elder. I'm a pastor. I'm a, the same. So sometimes the New Testament uses this word to mean the office, the same person. So the pastor has to do with the, what my role is. The elder has to do with my, my, my maturity. The pastor reflects more of my calling. Elder, spiritual maturity, and overseer, my spiritual function, my ecclesiastical function. Ecclesiastical function. There is this episcopal system of ecclesiastical government which have been put in place that is not really necessarily New Testamental. What do, what do I mean? So episcopal, bishopric, hierarchical is the bishop and that. I'm not saying, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying a church that has a bishop is wrong. Maybe one day, maybe, maybe God will even make me a bishop. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say, there's nothing wrong with bishop. So it has now become hierarchical order of ecclesiastical government. Ecclesiastic means church, okay? Ecclesia, church, ecclesiastical. Matters of church, government, so ecclesiastical government, hierarchical order. So uh, 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 th that is the episcopal system, the bishopric system of ecclesiastical government. It's not bad in itself, but when the scriptures talk about a bishop, it's actually talking about an overseer in a church. Overseer in a church. So here, Peter says, I'm talking to elders that elders should pastor. And as you are pastoring, you, are, you serve as an overseer. There are others under you, you govern and you make, you serve under, as an overseer. Not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. You must, the, you, can, you can easily be a pastor, a quack. <laughs> a pastor and you, your focus will move on to things that you are not supposed to be focusing on. More gain, benefits. Material benefits, because it is part of the pastoral calling. It comes naturally. But can you imagine a prime minister whose focus is, is all about the title and uh, he goes for meetings and they are serving him and he, does, he won't do the job, but he just like the title. No, he, he, they, will, they will kick him out of office very quickly. Very quickly. So the point here is that the difference between a bishop, a pastor, and an elder, so the episcopos, the poimen, and presbyteros, or uh, elder, episcopal, uh, presbyteros, pastor, poimen, bishop, episcopos, is the same. I'm talking about New Testament. But in certain church governments, it's different. So don't call yourself a bishop, please. Because in morning day times, when you call yourself a bishop, it might mean something else. Okay, it might mean, uh, depending on the the, uh, the uh, denomination you are part of, and you can't just call yourself even a pastor, let alone a bishop and stuff like that. But what I'm trying to talk about is the New Testament order that was given, that the term bishop is just an overseer, which is the job of a pastor anyway, the job of a pastor, feeding the sheep and overseeing the church. Feeding the sheep, overseeing the church. As an elder, you are supposed to pastor the sheep, pastor the flock, and oversee. Episcopate, the church. We have Episcopal church. It's, it's all the same derivation from the same stuff. So um, in the nutshell, what I'm trying to say is that we have the elders. Peter encourages the elders as a, an, a fellow elder, as a witness, potentially a martyr, someone with a martyr ready to embrace martyrdom, and someone who is also a partaker of the glory that is coming. He said, ah, I know I'm, I'm bona fide part, partaker of it. He said, and from that premise, I am talking to you. I exhort and charge you that you, what should you do having this kind of thing in mind? You feed the flock of God and serve as an overseer. And don't do it like someone is forcing you. And don't do it for um, just 
gain, material flim, uh, 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 flippant or flimsy or fleeting gains. King James says that um, filthy liquor, filthy liquor, just material opportunities. You, be, you, you, you only are nice to people who have money. <laughs> you are so nice. When, even when they are doing something wrong, you say, it's okay, it's right, let's understand them. But it's the, you are saying that because of the money they will give you. How can a bishop do that? How can a pastor do that? It, we can, and none of us is above that because we are human beings. So he has to say, if you have a martyrdom mindset, Okay, a martyrdom mindset, and you keep your eye on the glories that are ahead, you know that you're a partaker, it will help you not be swayed off into what normal human beings can easily be swayed into. All right, so it's not like you're a bad person, but you don't have to be a bad person to do what is bad. You can be a good person, end up but do some bad stuff by the time you realize you've caught yourself because a good character is not a permanent possession. We also always have to be on guard. And the things that will help us is when we set our minds on the glories that are ahead, the fact that we are partakers and that we are willing to die and be true witnesses of Jesus Christ as elders and as church leaders. So those of us who know you are going to be, I know you, you'll be a church leader. You'll do well. You'll do well. But have this in mind, okay? Don't hope to be a church leader so you can also stand behind camera and be speaking on Zoom. Uh, I mean, people have all kinds of visions and desires. This is not what makes me a church leader. I'm doing this because it's a, but I have to feed the flock. Um, we had 30 days of services. Today should have been a good day to rest. But I'm, I, I have to do it willingly and joyfully and feed the flock. Feed the flock. It's not to look important, to look powerful. Some people, all their vision is also one day so you are looking for views online. <laughs> That's why you make yourself online preacher, online vlogger. You are looking for views, not to feed people, but just to look important. You see? So that, those things can easily distract us as genuine elders, bishops, and pastors. And I pray God will help us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.